You're listening to Garbage Hill, one of its first podcast network, garbagehillnetwork.com. Hello, friends. My name is Sheldon, Bernie, and you're listening to Witch Police on the internet. This one's for all the mothers out there. Jesus Murphy, as a mama said. Jesus Murphy, get your ass to bed. Jesus Murphy, I can hardly think. Jesus Murphy, you kids will drive me to drink. Jesus Murphy, that's what mama said. Jesus Murphy, get your ass to bed. Jesus Murphy, I can hardly think. Jesus birthday, your kids will drive me drink. My mama raised up a bunch of bratty kids and sometimes she done the best that she could do. Well, us kids would holler, us kids would fight and still she makes sure we were fed every night. Mama said, Jesus Murphy, get your ass to bed. Jesus Murphy, I can hardly think. Jesus Murphy, your kids will drive me to drink. She drove us to hockey and she drove us to school. And my mama made sure we learned the golden rule. Sometimes you can see a tear in her eye. Just like Merle Haggard said, my mama tried. Jesus Murphy, that's what mama said. Jesus Murphy, get your ass to bed. Jesus Murphy, I can hardly think. Oh, Jesus Murphy, your kids will drive me to drink. Seconds, yeah. Okay. Uh, welcome to Witch Police Radio. I'm your regular host, Sam, and I'm the only host tonight, actually, but uh, we're here with Sheldon Burney, who is a returning guest. Hello, bonjour, it's comment ça va? It's been a while, I think, since you were on the I show. Think like, so. Over a year, probably. I'd say two years, easy. Yeah? You know, I it's, was... hard, it's hard to say. We're like, by, by the time people hear this, this will be episode 149, I think, so, I mean, there's been a lot of guests. It's hard to keep track of. I uh, know I was on with Carly Dow. I think you were number 66. I think that was the episode you were, maybe something like that, right? It's been it's, definitely a while. It's been a while. Because uh, I saw Carly... She came on my radio show on CKW oh, yeah. when her new record came out, and we were trying to figure out when the last yes. time we'd hung out was, which was on your on show. The show. On the show, and it was like at least a year at yeah. that point. So. Yeah, so this is a bit of a different setting when you were on mm-hmm. last time. It was in John's basement. Yeah, now the show is kind of an on the road 
sort of yeah, uh, like stop that. off of people's different places, the jam spaces, you know, homes, apartments, back alleys. Mm-hmm. Uh, last week we did one in a van. Oh yeah. yeah so, <laughs> so it's just all over the place. But uh, so we're here with you, and uh, the reason you're here, I mean, last time I think you just came on to come on. Yeah. I yeah. don't think you were promoting anything, but you have a book coming out, which that is actually correct. really interesting uh, subject matter, and you can tell me about it in a minute. Uh, that. Mm-hmm fits with kind of the thing we do here on the show. So what can you tell me about the book? Well, uh, it is uh, an oral history, and I'll put that kind of in air quotes, air quotes yeah. because uh, I know that there are people who do real academic and proper <laughs> proper <laughs> oral histories at the University of Winnipeg, Yeah, it is a thing, though, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, whereas mine is more of uh, along the lines of Please Kill Me or right. um, Everybody Loves This Town, right. which is called from interviews that I've done. Okay. Um, with artists from Winnipeg's uh, underground scene from the 90s. Cool. Uh, so it kind of takes that same approach of looking at the scene and following some of the bands that kind of uh, got a little bit of success outside of the perimeter. So you cool. know, your, your kittens, propaganda, yeah, your lands, yeah. that sort of stuff. And just kind of telling the story, trying to get a sense of what the city was like at that time, Yeah. how it was like for artists, you know, it's, uh, you know, that sort of stuff. Trying to compare it to today a little bit but also just to kind of get some of those lost stories as yeah, well yeah yeah and that's i think that was a really like uh prolific era for winnipeg totally, too yeah. i mean those bands you mentioned uh, it's all, all of those are huge huge mm-hmm. like maybe not in terms of sales but in yeah, terms yeah. of influence on totally everyone. i mean propaganda for sure kittens definitely like yeah. i mean i can't think of any any kind of noisy bands at all from winnipeg that haven't totally yeah. that hasn't seeped in somehow right to what they're mm-hmm. doing so were you around during that? No, like, uh, I, the reason I find this particularly interesting and spent so much time yeah. kind of bugging people to do interviews is I wasn't here. Uh, I grew up in Dawson Creek, BC. Right. Um, we'd come here in the summers, visit family. My mom's family's from here. My dad's family's from Nipawa. Okay. Uh, and I just kind of happened across this music. Yeah. Kittens was the kind of gateway drug, as I like to yeah. say. Yeah, that's an awesome uh, band. And then from there, propaganda and, you know, whatever. For sure. At that time, I sort of thought that if you had a CD or like a video on Much Music, like you must be famous because You're huge millionaires. You know, yeah, yeah, like yeah. I had no concept. There was no scene in yeah. Dawson Creek. There wasn't the closest was Edmonton, six hours away. Right. And you know, like I pretty sheltered, like didn't understand how it worked. So assumed like holy crap, like these bands are these, they must be humongous. Propaganda you know? must be selling. They must yeah. be like whoa, yeah. like you know. Uh, <laughs> so over the years, obviously realized that's not true. Yeah. But it's still, I'm still like fascinated by what was it, what was going on like at the Albert back yeah. in the ni- early like ninety one, ninety two. Yeah. You know, um, obviously it's not as as mythic as you think back. It was just a time. Just but I was local still, bands playing exactly. Yeah, yeah. But I'm still fascinated by it. You know, I want to hear these stories yeah. uh, of how these records and were created how these bands came together um, sure. and there's not much detail of that you know there's no like you know barring a few kind of local um either mts documentaries or stuff right, like right. a particular thing or whatever like the albert documentary for exactly example. Yeah, yeah. yeah um stuff like that of that nature yeah there's not very much and even less of that period you know right winnipeg's 80s scene punk especially has been I wouldn't say well documented um, but it's documented like yeah those earlier bands there. for sure yeah you yeah, know pe- yeah. there are books you can look to um, yeah like Chris Walter did a bunch yeah, of books he's got that. a number of things yeah. uh, there's a couple there's like uh, an MTS documentary Piss on You I think right right called. right I haven't seen that but I heard, I've heard about it yeah, yeah uh, and then Sam Sutherland's book looking at the genesis of Canadian punk right um, there's a chapter on when it gets touched on at least exactly right? yeah. you know so there is that early stuff yeah 
Um, but there's like a black hole in the 90s, except for, you know, articles you can find on propaganda. Right. Greg Pratt's uh, Exclaim profile he did on them a couple years back. Yeah, that was a, that was the, uh, the, the timeline, right? Yeah, yeah that was it's great. fantastic, yeah, it was, yeah. but that's about it. You yeah. know, there's nothing really else that exists like that. So. I actually, when we had Chris Hanna on our show, mm-hmm. I used that as a preparation oh, for an article. Per, I was it's like, so you know, detailed. I mean, I had so a lot good. of stuff I wanted to ask him anyway, just as a fan, but mm-hmm. like, that was... I oh, no, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's Greg Pratt. Yeah, did it. Fantastic, fantastic yeah. with that. He's a great writer, a great music yeah. journalist, whatever. Um, but, you know, again, beyond that, there's not much. Um, yeah. So based on doing a couple articles myself for, for Vice's uh, Noisy for Channel Noisy, there. Yeah, and I remember reading those. That makes total sense. Yeah. You could turn that into you know, a larger... Like doing those articles, you got 1,500 words, 2,000 words yeah. max. I was doing all these interviews and just piling up all this transcript yeah. that I thought was pure gold, you know, like, oh, fuck, these are great stories. Yeah. And I'd use, like, a paragraph out of it, you know. Right, and you've sat for an hour, down for an hour with a guy. And, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so figured uh, after doing a few of those, getting some interest from just people, you know, there were so many people sending me emails after that, like, oh, great article, but you missed all these bands. Or, right. you know, but, you know, I was in this band. Hey, do you want to hear this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Demo of ours, and you know, like, and it's something that's been sitting in the basement for twenty years, and yeah, yeah, exactly. So you know, from there, it kind of generated the idea. I could, this could be a book. Like, yeah. Why isn't this a book yeah. already? You know, and uh, I managed to hook up with the publishers, which uh, they're called Eternal Cavalier. Yeah. Um, they, they actually came up um, when we were doing a, an episode with uh, the drummer of the Watchmen. Oh yeah, yeah. Because they, they had a book that came out in that. Yes. The, the, they didn't write the book, obviously, but there's a fan of theirs that did wrote a biography. Book. Yeah. 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 Uh, Eternal Cavaliers whole MO is to put out Canadian music writing specific yeah. to the nineties. Okay. Because they, you know, kinda of like myself, saw that there's a, a gap. I didn't realize it was specific there. to the nineties. That's kinda of cool. Is specific to the nineties. They've got three titles out now. Mine'll be the fourth. Cool. They've got a fifth lined up. Yeah, they're doing neat stuff. It's basically just two guys That's in awesome. the Toronto area. Um, Josh Cloak and Adam, whose last name I'm forgetting, but uh, anyways, two guys that are, it's a real DIY operation, but they're really trying to, trying to do everything right. That seems like a good fit, the DIY operation with the type of stuff you're covering. Yeah, yeah, like that's why I felt, you know, like it's not, yeah, it's not just me doing it because I don't really want to do that sort of route myself Oh, the self-publishing thing, yeah. Yeah. Um, Just it's too much work and I'm just like bad at (laughs) certain aspects of it that you need to be good at. But at the same time, I'm not pitching it to, uh, you know, ECW or someone right. who doesn't really get... It's a perfect fit because all these bands from the 90s were either... They first put out their own tapes themselves. Yep. yep. And then maybe they, you know, from touring or whatever, get the idea that they could start their own label. Put out a couple seven a inches yeah, or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Or some took it even farther. Uh, Small Man, G7. Yeah, G7, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, there's a co- other examples. Yeah. But, uh, well, those were was, the two big ones in Winnipeg, I think, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was a lot of that kind of thing going on. It was always Definitely. very DIY, uh, and that was the whole point of it. There was no, like, oh, we're going to sell yeah, we're gonna 10,000 copies, yeah. or we're going to sell whatever. We're just yeah. going to, wow, someone's going to put out our CD. Like, this, this is, is awesome. amazing. Yeah, yeah. For sure, yeah. So how did, how did you get in touch with the, the, did you just contact them and say, I have the this publisher? idea, uh, here's my noisy articles, like, as an example? No, or? they, like, through Stylus, we had, I would reviewed their first book. Okay. And then... I don't, maybe we did like, I wasn't, I'm not a big fan of The Watchmen, um, so I wasn't really interested. Was that the first book, The 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 first one was Josh Cloak, uh, he did a book, it's kind of a weird, it's interesting, but it's kind of weird, it's like a, 
it's about the tragically hip, okay. but it's not about them. Like, I don't know how to, it's okay. like kind of okay. his relationship as like a super fan. Like, a, I think that's a whole genre now though. Cause there's a book on Neil Young, uh, this guy who's a super fan of Neil Young. Okay. And he traveled, he, he traveled everywhere that Neil had been. Okay. So he went to Winnipeg and interviewed all these people who like, he track down people yeah, in the yeah. room and stuff. I think it's a, a new kind of subject. It could be. It's sort of like, it, yeah, the, the best way I can think of it off the top of my head here is it kind of looks at his relationship with the band yeah. and like trying to assess like why am I so obsessed okay, with this band okay, yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and it was interesting. I like the Tragically Hip. I'm not a huge fan. Yeah. But, I, you know, it was an interesting experiment. Yeah. First book kind of deal. Uh, and so because of that, he was aware of me and I was aware of them. When the noisy articles started coming out, Josh was interested in them. Okay. And then at some point, he kind of said, I guess through Twitter or something, messaged yeah. me and was like, you know, if you ever have an idea, you know, we're always taking pitches kind of thing. Okay. And did um, that kind of set things in motion for you? I like, was already kind of thinking like, you know what, there's enough material here. I should do something more than just an yeah. article. And then when I got his message, things kind of started to click a bit more. Uh, maybe a couple months later or, or something, I, you know crafted this picture yeah. a while sent a really rough idea we bounced it back and then it came boiled down to the oral history idea okay which we felt was the strongest kind of way of it, it is a good it. way to do it i mean there's a lot of books i think that and even magazine articles almost more so than books that you see like that and it really covers kind mm -hmm. of a large because i mean it's a large thing i mean you're covering a 10-year yeah. period right and there's a lot of bands but yeah getting people to say it in their own words is a lot easier than Easier maybe for the reader to grasp yeah. what's going on. Not not easier to write. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot more typing. Than yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, you got to transcribe everything, right? Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, and it, like again, being that I wasn't there, I'm not trying to tell people this is how it was. Right. Here's why this matters. I'm just trying to kind of unearth the people's own stories. Right. And then string them together in You're a way. You're sort of that, curating the interviews and picking exactly. them. Yeah, yeah. Making it into a, a narrative flow so you can cool. kind of follow. To some extent, you know, it, I tried to avoid getting into details about recording this album or that album because yeah. there's so much to cover, you know. And you, you couldn't possibly get everything in there. I yeah, guess, right? and that's a lot less interesting than, you know, just kind of memories and thoughts on yeah. what made that time particularly interesting. What were some takeaways, you know, like what was it like to play at the Albert on these days or, yeah. you know, to, to be in all these weird bands or what was it like, you know, yeah, going on that first tour kind of thing. Especially because things are so different now. Yeah, for exactly. Starting with it's, the internet and everything, it's... Uh, yeah, you heard that a lot of, like, looking in Maximum Rock and Rolls, book your own fucking life. Yeah, I remember that, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, like, dri booking a few shows, driving, calling people from pay phones, yep. like, tracking Which, down addresses yeah. for a house that maybe, like, you had a show at. And, and now they do it all on one phone. The guy would just sit there, press some buttons, done. Totally, all, yeah. yeah. I mean, not, not that it's easy to book tours or anything <laughs> now, but it's, I mean, the, the simplicity of the It's a lot more direct, you yeah. know, you're also sending out real press packages not right. APKs right, yeah. with your tape with your photocopied like and you stuff have to make all the copies of the tapes and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you're just waiting then on the mail to maybe this guy got it and maybe they're going to get back to me maybe he looks at it six months later yeah, yeah. I'm racking up huge phone bills and yeah. stuff I came across an iSpy pamphlet for a house show there's okay. raising money two dollars or donation yeah. uh, to help cover our phone bill oh, for wow. our last tour it's like what That's this is from calling labels and stuff from just calling like from pay phones wow. and trying to book shows across the US. oh yeah i guess yeah that's that's crazy so like what like that does, it's just a different reality yeah. you know so you got for myself i you know i've kind of in yourself i guess we kind of are at an age where we can remember a bit of that yeah but are also pretty familiar with now with how it works now yeah anyone coming up in a lot you know 20 year old it's 25 not even year old a thing now, anymore yeah 
might not, you know, that might not even have been a thing. Yeah. Because MySpace yeah. would have been around the first time they were booking a show right. or something, right? And they could put their music up there. People could hear it without having to get a copy of the tape. Totally. I, uh, I'm very interested in reading this because I, first time I played a show was around 95. Mm. So I missed the first part of that. And I was yeah. very young then. And I was playing like community center shows yeah, and stuff, yeah. right? So, I mean, kind of late, mid to late, late nineties <laughs> is sort of when I was in bands a lot and everything mm -hmm. like that. So I, the tail end of it, yeah, I have some some involvement in shitty bands that no one really yeah, likes. Yeah. But I mean, and I did definitely want to see. I mean, I remember seeing Propaganda in '97 and stuff. That was the first time I saw them, and uh, and things like that. But that whole kind of backstory is something that I only know of vaguely from reading interviews and things like that. So that's yeah, yeah. Uh, like you said, it's not that documented. So mm -hmm. and like uh, for myself, I kind of just writing these first articles that led to the book. Uh, it came out of when I worked at Stylus. Yeah. I'd be sitting there on a rainy day, and they've got all the archives of all the old issues just oh, right. sitting so you there. Just flip through them so and, yeah. I would flip through, you know, back to the early night, trying to find, first I was trying to find interviews with yeah. kittens, because when I got into them, the internet was around, right. but there there was no articles of them online, you know, uh, Stylus or, or uh, Uptown or whatever weren't posting yeah, who all done their it, right? stuff yeah. to the web, you know? Yeah. So it, it might be a job a, for somebody to, to sit there to with the digitize. archives. Yeah, yeah. yeah would, um that could be something that they're getting into. I know that Rob Schmid at CKW yeah. is very interested in kind of documenting the sort of history that exists there and getting it available yeah. for people who are interested or for research. It would be fascinating. It'd be, like, so, you know, down the line, I think that's something that they're they're keen to explore anyway. Yeah. Like they digitized all their tape I, yeah, library. Yeah, I know. There's some good yeah, stuff yeah. on there too, yeah. 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 So, like, yeah, it's it, there's so much stuff out there. I'm just hoping that a people buy the book, so yeah, that, of course uh, <laughs> all the work was offer in vain, but yeah. also that maybe people will realize there's such a, a treasure trove of gold out there from yeah. Winnipeg that yeah. I don't know if it's again like part of the thing was is there a character to Winnipeg that city that creates this art or whatever right. you know kind of everyone has their own idea about it, but you get that sense that part of the Winnipeg character uh, is that you're not really taking what you're doing too seriously. Yeah, you're yeah, not like yeah. building a monument to yourself because you were in a band that did this thing. Right, you know, right. Or if people you just are do it and if someone likes it, that's awesome. Exactly. And if someone doesn't like it, you just keep doing it anyway. And you know, like uh, media in Toronto or wherever aren't going to be pumping our tires about no, stuff. And so care. like, you know, it's easy to forget that there was all this yeah. really cool stuff out there and it's still out there in tape yeah. form or you know, buried in some archive somewhere, but I don't know, it's super, super interesting to me. It is, yeah. And I'm hoping other people will get fired up about it as well. Well, I hope people who listen to this show will be wanting to check it out because that's kind of what this is in a way. It's different mm -hmm. because we're not focused on a, a certain time or, yeah. or place, but I mean, it's Winnipeg bands and other Winnipeg artistic types, you know, talking about, talking about their current stuff, but also talking a bit about their history. Mm -hmm. And we've done quite a few um, long, longer form episodes on 90s Winnipeg hip hop. Yeah, yeah. And like we've got some more of those coming out. And oh, that's it's, that's, fantastic. it's really yeah. cool because I mean, I remember that stuff too, but I came in late. I came mm -hmm. in like maybe, I don't know, 99 to that stuff. And I was, I loved it at the time. But the early, before that, I mean, it's all just kind of stuff I picked up on compilations or maybe someone, maybe a dub tape or something. Yeah. So it's the same kind of thing. There's big scenes that are mm -hmm. not really known outside of the people who were there. Exactly. Yeah. So for people who haven't heard this show before, the way it works is we have a yes. random theme word. And we pick songs that relate to the word anyway we can make the connection. Mm -hmm. And this week's word is sunk. Yes. Which is a good one. I think that there's a, you know, it a lot of potential. Definitely. It took me a while. It took me till today to okay. get two out of the three of my okay. uh, my choices. 
Okay, let's, um, do you want to just go to one? Let's start just go to one. Uh, the first one was, let's just get it out of the way. The first one uh, that I came up with, as soon as I hear a th sunk, I thought of like ships that had sank. That's the direction I went for pretty much all my picks too, yeah. Luckily it was only the first because yeah. I had a few like shipwreck songs. Yeah. It's like, I don't want to do all shipwrecks, you know, but uh, the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. I'm glad I didn't pick that. Is like, <laughs> yeah, I figured that one of us would pick it. Totally. Right? Yeah, it's yeah. such an obvious yeah. canonical tune. Yeah. Um, and I mean, people have covered it like, you know, a million times over the years. The yeah. Rio Statics do a really cool yeah, version of it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I had to go with the original Gord one. I love that tune. You know, yeah, it's a great I, song. Uh, was playing it today. I, picked it. I used to play that all the time, that riff on the oh, guitar yeah, yeah, yeah. back in the day when I was uh, learning the guitar. Cool. I hadn't played it in so long, so I was trying to remember it uh, before you came over yep. here today. So that would be my first Awesome. Pick. Well, let's check that out and we'll be back. The legend lives on from the Chippewa on down of the big lake they call Gitchagumi. The lake, it is said, never gives up her dead when the skies of November turn gloomy. With a load of iron ore, 26,000 tons more than the Edmund Fitzgerald weighed empty. That good ship and true was a bone to be chewed when the gales of November came early. Ship was the pride of the American side, coming back from some mill in Wisconsin. As the big freighters go, it was bigger than most, with a crew and good captain well seasoned. Concluding some terms with a couple of steel firms when they left fully loaded for Cleveland. Then later that night, when the ship's bell rang, could it be the north wind they'd been feeling? Tattletail sound and the wave broke over the railing. And every man knew as the captain did too, twas the witch of November come stealing. The dawn came late and the breakfast had to wait when the gales of November came slashing. When afternoon came, it was freezing rain. In the face of a hurricane west wind When supper time came The old cook came on deck Saying, fellas, it's too rough to feed you and crew was in peril and later that night when his lights went out of sight came the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald
Does anyone know where the love of God goes when the waves turn the minutes to hours? The searchers all say they'd have made Whitefish Bay if they'd put 15 more miles behind her. They might have split up or they might have capsized. They may have broke deep and took water. All that remains is the faces and the names of the wives and the sons and the daughters. Lake Huron rolls, superior scenes in the rooms of her ice water mansion. Old Michigan steams like a young man's dreams The islands and bays are for sportsmen And farther below Lake Ontario Takes in what Lake Erie can send her The iron boats go as the mariners all know With the gales of November remembered Yeah, that was, uh, I mean, that's, like you said, the obvious Yeah, it's the most song. obvious. It's such a classic. Yeah. Uh, Canadian content, too. That's always good. Big time can yeah. con rock yeah. in there. Yeah. Uh, and just such a, I mean, it's, you know, it's such a classic tune that it's yeah. almost cheesy, but it's so good. I love that tune. I love the, the tone of the guitar and uh, how, you, you know, Gord's vocals are classic Gord, but yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's I just love that tune. It's, I think it's got to be his most recognizable song, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, I've heard obviously more songs than that yeah, by him, yeah. but that's the one that if you mention his name, that's the thing that pops into my head. Totally, sure. yeah. Like, I think too. for everyone probably, but Sundown. Yeah, that's a good one too. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah uh, totally. Yeah, it's like Canadian history. It's got everything that. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, it's, it's definitely, definitely. That, that was, I, I was not sure I should pick it. I was like, oh, maybe. I was actually thinking if you don't pick it, I could always just throw it at the throw end, it but it's, it's one of those, right? Yeah. So that's cool. No, that's, uh, yeah, it's a, definitely a good choice. Um, so back to your book, though. Um, okay. Because that's why we're here. <laughs> and uh, how did you decide which bands to focus on and which ones to omit? Because I'm sure you probably got suggestions for most of your... Well, that's sort of how it went, was through suggestions. Like, I knew I wanted to focus to start with on the three bands that really like got me okay first being again kittens kittens definitely um they're the ones who clicked like there's a band from winnipeg that's on much music and they're doing something like fucking crazy (laughs) you know like the the school i mean it's northern northern canada high school a lot of metal heads um i mean i like metal but i would could i never got that fired up about pantera yeah yeah i did not like it but it was never like you know yeah it's not the thing yeah, you guys just into it hard and i yeah. never really could get that into it um but then when i seen the video for sex boat from yeah Kins, yeah it just blew my mind and then when i found out there from winnipeg it was just like what like yeah how did this how, happen yeah. how yeah. uh and you know that was the what led me down the rabbit hole, I guess. Yeah. And then short, fast on the heels of that was the connection that Propagandy was from Portage the Prairie. I know, which is crazy. And again, it's like, what? Like these How guys? did that happen? Yeah, yeah. So all these things yeah. kind of clicked, and then I just became obsessed with, A, I like the music. Yeah. But B, it was like, this is a, a city that I kind of connected with more than any other Canadian city because all my family's here. Right. They come here every summer. Right. Um, it's like I know this town. I know this this place. Like, how did this music come from yeah. here? Yeah, where did yeah where did that scene was this a thing yeah. always? Like, yeah, yeah. Well, like what? Like, there's a band this awesome from Winnipeg. Yeah, like, fucking rights. They're my new favorite band. <laughs> well, going that kind of goes back to what I was saying before about the hip hop thing with some of the stuff we've done on on our show. Like, Farm Fresh is from Brandon. Oh, yeah. Which is still blows my mind that that was, you know, there, I don't think there were any, that many other people rapping in Manitoba or even in Canada, really, you know. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden these three white guys from Brandon, and they were that good, too. Yeah. It's just ridiculous. Like, There's a chapter in the book on Brandon, Manitoba's okay. punk scene, which Farm Fresh was a huge part yeah. of. I don't really touch much on the hip-hop aspect, except that those guys were instrumental. They played all the punk shows, right? In yeah. the scene, because they yeah. were the guys who were just doing it. They were on almost every bill for the first couple of years. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Converse on the other side, punk rock was instrumental in those guys yeah. developing their hip-hop style. And I actually feel like, I mean, the first time I heard them was at a show that Propagandy played mm-hmm. at, the, at the Rendezvous. Okay. And it was uh, Rock Against Racism. Yeah, yeah. And the Malfaction was on the JP and the Spiriters, Farm Fresh, Propaganda. It was a ridiculous lineup. Like, mm-hmm. And that was the point where I was like, rap is good. Yeah. <laughs> no, I didn't know. I mean, I kind of heard, you know, I'd heard stuff yeah, there, yeah. but that was like the seeing it on stage and mm-hmm. seeing that it could be punk too, I think. And yeah, so I mean, totally. it's interesting how that fits together. But. Yeah. Um, back to the idea of where the. the, the the bands to focus on K-pop. Yeah, 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 right, right. That was essentially it. You know, I looked at Propagandy, Kittens, and Weaker Thans okay. because that was my intro to these other bands. Right. And, you know, through them, once I was, like, obsessed with them and had whatever two or three records they had yeah. out at the time, I'd just scour the liner notes or get the mail-order catalogs and try to connect the dots yeah. backwards. Like, well, if these guys are saying, if the Weaker Thans say... That the Bonaduce's are their favorite band. I got to hear the Bonaduce's, and then you realize how great the Bonaduce's exactly. are, and you look everything else up on their label. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So it, it, that's really how it worked, and so I kind of just tried to retrace that. Cool. Also, then like asking the people I'm interviewing, what are some bands you think should get their due, or yeah. who should I talk to? You know? And then you hear about stuff you probably never even tons of stuff I yeah. never heard of. Raw Sewage was a band that okay. I had never heard of. They put out two tapes, I think, 
but were apparently just like a uh, real primal, angry kind of punk rock. Cool. Uh, fronted by uh, a woman and with featuring another uh, woman, both named, no, one named Sarah, Sarah Fergale, okay. whose brother was Paul Fergale from Painted Thin. Okay, that was a, Painted Thin was a great band too. Mm-hmm. Um, and anyway, I, yeah, I never heard of this raw sewage, but they were kind of one of the only, uh, it touches on it in the book how even though a lot of these political bands that kind of came out of the propaganda yeah. scene were very pro-feminist, you know. Um, it was all dudes, though. It was all dudes, yeah. completely. Like, yeah. it was a very male-dominated scene. You could argue that that's the case today. Right. But it was, it's just crazy. Like, the amount of people that I'm trying to connect with were just whoever's in this band, not trying to, you know, oh, I got to get X amount of men versus X amount yeah. of ladies. But all these bands were all dudes. Yeah, until, all the ones you mentioned, you look at the lineups, it's all guys. Yeah, right? it was a very few that started... Uh, um, kind of breaking the ground. Lisa Smurl is a name that came up quite a bit from um, band from Atlantis. Yeah, as an inspiration to a lot of women to say, "Hey, she, Lisa's up there doing it. I can do it." Kinda, yeah. Why the fuck am I not doing? Why are all these guys? Yeah, on exactly. Stage yeah. Instead yeah. of me, you know. Yeah, actually, it's, it's interesting. I mean, I can think of a few bands over the years that had oh, definitely. members, but yeah, it's. I mean, until you get to someone like the Quiffs, like, yeah. yeah, which is the best band in the world ever, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, it's. I mean, there wasn't that many. It was just kind of here and there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I don't know how we got on that, but yeah, that's exactly, yeah. you know, I'm just following the uh, Raw Sewage being right. one of the bands that I'd never heard of uh, and turned out into, you know, one of the most interesting kind of finds, I guess, yeah. if you can say, of the project. It's like, oh, this band sounds fucking awesome. Yeah. Definitely, you know, you wouldn't have a band like the Quiffs without Raw Sewage, whether they right. knew it or not, you know? Right, it could have just been like through Osmosis or whatever. It's like, yeah, just yeah, like yeah. that was, you know, they kind of had the same approach. They that's guess, really cool. We're going to form a band because we're really angry yeah we're, holy fuck we just made this noise we're playing the albert next week you know? yeah and people love it because it's the albert yeah it? exactly and it was just such a performance from everyone who who brought them up you know it was just like a raw visceral yeah. like violent performance that people were just like oh fuck yeah yeah awesome. <laughs> this. Yeah. yeah 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 that's cool that's really cool well, um as far as the like the time frame you chose mm-hmm. you went to 2010 right is that the no number? initially i'd i'd like had these grand ideas okay. of following it that far okay. And it was just way too, a too much work. Yeah, and B, it was just you know from two thousand to two thousand one. There's kind of a natural like story arc to okay, it. Okay, okay. You know you have bands like uh, Red Fisher. Yeah, yeah. Who by you know ninety six had broken up, and you can kind of watch like the you can watch the bands kind of progress. Yeah, uh, and kind of follow the storylines as to where they went. You know, by two thousand one, right? It's all new stuff coming out, and you don't. It's all wanna, new. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Like propaganda had uh, it's arguably still underground, but they by that point they stopped touring illegally after nine right. eleven. Right, right, yeah, um, of course. Yeah. The weaker thens, you know, two years later they blew they, up. They blew up huge. Yeah. So it's you that see makes sense. The the storyline of these guys who all started in the basements around yeah. the late 80s. And either made it or disappeared, right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, or made it as much as it would have been. Yeah, and it. that's the qualifier yeah. right yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. so that's, that made a lot more sense. I, I, I kind of tried to tie in a few bands that started in the late 90s that either them or some, you know, like Ken Mode, for example. Yeah, yeah. Um, or, you know, uh, Joanne Rodriguez, various projects, you know, yeah, who were around stuff, yeah. for the early times and got the kind of main start in the end yeah just to kind of you know show here's here's the new well, noise and i think there's north. i mean with kenmo there's a direct line from kittens oh, to them yeah. sonically like it's exactly and that that yeah, was and what tied it together i think they they openly admit that too oh, right it's yeah like a clear influence on them yeah. yeah jesse i talked to yeah. for the for the articles and then for the book and 
he's the first to admit yeah. that. Well, yeah, 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 he's definitely. I mean, and there's nothing wrong with that too. Mm-hmm. If you know, if you're gonna be influenced by somebody, that's yeah, a yeah. phenomenal band to be influenced by for sure. Yeah. Cool. Well, I'm gonna uh, pick a song yes. on the song thing. Um, like I was saying, I mostly thought of shipwreck stuff. Uh, the first thing I'm gonna pick is this song. This is a CD that I got. It's by Factor, who's a producer. I think he's from Saskatchewan. Oh yeah. And uh, I got this as a review copy a few years, or probably like ten years ago now, 2010, five years ago. And uh, this is it's, it's pretty good. It's a lot of lots, lots of guests on it and stuff. Uh, you know, doing the vocals on, on the tracks. Mm-hmm. And this one song, it has always stuck with me. When I first heard the album, I was like, yeah, this is good. And that song, just like, holy crap, this is amazing. And I don't know too much about the guy who is doing the vocals on this. His name is Chesky. Uh, he's American. He's from, I think it's from Vermont or something. It's like an unusual state <laughs> to think of someone yeah, being from. Yeah. And the song is called The Fall of Captain Eel. And it was, it's something that it was like a reaction to Michael Jackson's death. Okay. But it also talks about a shipwreck okay. at the same time. And it's a really weird kind of juxtaposition. He kind of sings the part about the ship sinking and all this underwater stuff and then he raps the part about Michael Jackson hmm. and it somehow works amazingly <laughs> well and I, I wish I knew more of this guy's stuff I don't know if it all sounds like this, this is literally the only song I've heard by him mm-hmm. and I know he's come to Winnipeg and I know some people I know have played a show with him hmm. and I heard this after like a uh, year afterwards yeah, yeah. I was like oh I saw the poster and like Rob Crooks was on the bill I should have gone right but so I wanted to look into more of it and I, I, I always forget what his name is it's spelled C-E-S a C-E-S-C-H-I. Okay. I didn't know how to pronounce it until today. I had to look it up. It's Chesky, though. Chesky. And it's really, really good. So the song's called The Fall of Captain EO, and it's from this Factor album called Lawson, Lawson Graham.
make sure you go down hard Keep the scars I've seen death of the daring men Nickel desperately from the docks of many a barge At one time there were the ones in charge And once they lived life large But once they never enough to take a person Out of a rut, tough luck, the lightning dumbstruck I've seen the greatest men Get swallowed by the bowels of the bubbly ocean With the forgiving overlords And terrible twisted teeth showing Peeling pick up a purse lips On the face of a perfect person Desecrated by modernity's worthless curses Alright, so that was The Fall of Captain EO by Factor featuring Chesky. And yeah, I, it's a really, I like his voice. Um, it's familiar, like I don't know if that's, if I've heard him or it's just he's got a voice yeah. that sounds like something you've heard, but yeah. really neat. Yeah, it's cool. I like the, I like the combo of the singing and rapping and it's it's kind of laid back, but it's also like, I, the drums are sort of aggressive and mm -hmm. stuff. There's a, a dark undertone yeah. to it or a, a undertide or whatever. Yeah, whatever they call it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, yeah, I don't know what you call it. I, mean, <laughs> I think it sucks you under if you're in a boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's interesting subject matter too. And they have a thing on the on, on the uh, track listing. It says recorded six six oh nine. So that's got to it's got to be a reference to when he died. I don't know the exact date when Jackson died, but I'm imagining they recorded this right after. Hmm. That would be my guess because none of the other ones have a date. Yeah, yeah. And this is about a specific incident. Died right? in the summer. I feel like it was August though. Yeah, I do. Well, I do too. Actually, no. It was. It was in. It was in June. Okay. Because my my first daughter was born then in July, be. and I remember in the hospital while we were waiting for the kid to be born, I had a whole pile of magazines, and they were all Michael Jackson and everything. Hmm. It was like you know Rolling Stones, like tribute yeah, yeah. to the Jackson, and all that stuff was just new out then. So then it must be that. So it must be. <laughs> it must have been a quick reaction to. Yeah, yeah. To, yeah. Huh. Which is a cool thing to. I mean, I wonder if they had the hook first, which isn't related at all. Yeah. And then just. This is something to write the verse. I, I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah. Something, yeah. Because it doesn't really even connect, but it, somehow it sounds cool. And <laughs> it feels like it connects, though. He's trying. I don't know. Yeah, yeah it does. It does. You can that. you can tell there's sort of a yeah. thematic kind yeah. of under. Uh, yeah. Again, with the uh, subtext. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, no, I I really like the song. I mean, when I thought of sunk, this was the first thing I thought of, mm -hmm. just because uh, I've kind of been waiting for a chance to play this on the okay. show because it's a song I've always kind of stuck in my head, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I forget about it because. It's on this CD that I don't listen to very often. Not to, you know, besmirch the rest of the CD or whatever, yeah, but yeah. it's like, that's the song on this album that really I go to every time mm -hmm. if, if I listen to it, so. And I haven't listened to my CDs in a while because I'm listening to my records alphabetically, yeah. so yes, it's I've just... Yes, I've been following the it just hasn't, yeah. <laughs> I have all these other CDs and tapes that I haven't touched in, you know, however long I've been doing it, so, mm -hmm. yeah. But yeah, great song. Fits the song theme. And uh, so, I mean, on top of your book, uh, are you still got the music thing going on? Is uh, yes. cheering for the bad guys still? Yes, we uh, we definitely hit the brakes uh, lately, um, partially because we're all busy. Yeah. Um, and also because we got to start writing some new songs. Uh, historically, we are the worst at uh, 
getting together in the summer unless okay. we have shows. Just because of people's lives getting in the way? That's just summertime. Like, yeah. fuck, yeah. I don't want to be in my basement when it's yeah, nice yeah, outside. Yeah. You know, the sun is shining. I've been inside all day working. And like, it's so short, too, right? Exactly. You got, like, <laughs> yeah. whatever. Uh, and we just purposely didn't book shows much this summer because we had, like, it was just life was uh, overwhelming. Yeah. yeah. But uh, we're playing at Soup Stock okay. in a couple weeks. This might be out by then. And then we've got a show at the times changed on November 10th. Cool. We're doing uh, it's the, a Tuesday, but it's the day before Remembrance Day. Okay. Um, so we're hoping people will come out. Uh, tie one on respectfully. Right, of course. And, yeah. and uh, of course. it'll be a home improvement themed show because okay. winter will be coming. You know, you got to get our, uh, our guitar player works. He owns a insulation company. Okay. So he's big on making your home ready for winter. Um, it's important thing num- to do. Yeah, it is. Uh, and a number of uh, his employees are also musicians. Okay. Uh, they play in bands like the Honey Sliders, okay. um, JD Edwards Band, that sort of stuff. And they've got a, a jam group called the Installers. Okay. And so I think they're going to do a set. Uh, cool, cool. And we'll be giving away a ton of home improvement products throughout cool. the uh, night. Maybe a sheet of drywall. Definitely a couple bags of wing nuts or screws or maybe that's a, a very Winnipeg thing to do. A whole yeah. uh, you know bag of insulation. <laughs> so if cool. you need to get your house warm for winter. That's the way to go. Yeah. You want to come down the come time down times yeah. on yeah. November tenth. Cool. Okay. Okay. And is there any? I mean, are you eventually looking to doing a new record? Or? We're looking to just write stuff. Like yeah. we've got uh, our last record. We just are finishing paying off all the stuff okay. for it. Well, could you put that on vinyl too? Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which was uh, an act of hubris, <laughs> but. Uh, Whatever, we got them. Yeah. And if you want one, we definitely have one yeah. for you because there's so many of them left. Uh, and we just haven't had time. Like, I haven't had time to write if I am if I have an extra well, hour. Well, you're writing the book, right? And your day job. and you know. If I have an extra hour, I haven't been picking up the guitar and just playing, which is how, for me, the songs come about. Yeah. You know, yeah. I've got ideas for them, but without that hour to uh, every couple of days to pick it up. It's just an it idea out. that doesn't go anywhere, right? Yeah. We got them out maybe a half dozen half finished songs that okay. some might turn into something some might not but okay. uh, this will be the season to figure that out yeah yeah once the drywall see the winter yeah. Season. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. we're definitely uh, no in no rush to put anything okay. out but um, it's still a going concern right it's still an ongoing oh yeah concern. yeah we just uh, again the summers are historically poor for Slow us to season, get together yeah. for anything but uh, fishing or you know jumping in a lake right yeah well, <laughs> that's, what, that's how it is I guess but yeah. yeah so I mean talking about you know the cold season's going up soon uh it goes back to something you mentioned earlier about you know Winnipeg whether it has a character as a city or not and I feel like this is something that comes up on this show a lot too uh especially I mean I know you're talking more about punk bands and heavier bands uh, in the examples you mentioned but this kind of maybe relates to to what you do with your own band mm-hmm. in that whenever I talk to someone who does country or roots music or folk music or blues or anything in that kind of circle of genres, we always end up talking about what kind of roots your music Winnipeggers are into. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Winnipeg has this, I don't know what it is, but like a vibe of wanting to hear grimy stuff. Like they're okay with hearing, they love country music, mm-hmm. but they want it to be dirty. Mm-hmm. Not subject matter wise but the sound of it they want it yeah, to be kind of kind of off kind of rough kind of like and like do you feel that too about uh i mean that's my interest myself yeah well yeah, me too without hitting music yeah yeah um it could be that like winnipeg has always had like country musicians that come yeah. out of it that are more playing that 
country sound game. Yeah, like the actual country yeah, country versus yeah. pop country or versus, yeah. Yeah, yeah. like uh, guys who go on to uh, to do session work or they're, they're, they're playing uh, uh, a more standard kind of style. But Winnipeg also has that, you know, deep blues yeah. kind of history where yeah. it is a lot of a muddier sound. And a bit all these guys a, from the Windsor decades yeah, ago and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you, But then when you mash it all up because there's only three or four bars to play. Yeah. Uh, and if you want to create your own music, you know, then you end up pulling, well, my influence here is this right. and my influence there is that. And you do get this weird muddy stew yeah. of a roots sound whether it's whether if you like blues more you'll tend to that kind of guitar yeah. if you're like tons of winnipeg roots artists and love neil young's crazy horse stuff you can't you, not you, from being from winnipeg exactly yeah, yeah. but then you tend to, to stuff like that where you right know, the distortion comes in every once in a yeah, while and yeah. you're gonna get heavier drums and stuff yeah exactly which is sort of where we find our my, so we totally find ourselves yeah. that's why i wanted to ask you about it because i mean yeah i, I feel like you guys are totally in that category of definitely of grimier sort of country but also fuzzed out a little bit and Maybe a little bit uh, higher, high speed, higher yeah. speeds. And, yeah. Cor Blund uh, on his, little, I guess, last studio record has a, a line about the country punk rock band, a country metal punk rock band or yeah. whatever. And I definitely would now describe us as just a country punk rock band. Makes sense. Because uh, we'll have a couple adult beverages and then <laughs> the volume gets a little bit cranked up and the speed gets a little bit cranked yeah. up. And, you know, any any attempts we make to try to move more towards a country sound are bound to fail, you know, yeah. at the same time try to embrace that that vibe and that and that style of storytelling, you know, rather than trying to make a, a slick sounding yeah. country record because we just, I don't know if we're incapable of doing it or just, it just doesn't work It's out. just what comes out of you, right? It's just yeah. what comes out, yeah, yeah. Did you think there's any kind of connection, I mean, not, not the same as the country thing, but I mean, some of these bands that you talk to and some of the bands maybe you see now, do you think there is any kind of Winnipeg-ness that it's comes difficult. with them? Uh, I don't really... Feel it. I don't know. I don't. A. I don't go out enough yeah. to see it anymore. Yeah. Um, but when I started doing the kind of research for this, there were a few kind of up and coming bands in a noisier kind of vein that really reminded me of that kind of '90s Winnipeg yeah. sound. Uh, Tunic and uh, oh, totally, yeah. Um, uh, Dead Ranch, yeah, in particular, sure. the Kitten side, Tunic more, you know. Um, a little bit of kittens kind of sound in there. Uh, party dress, I really like that. Yep, and that yep. was kind of the honky tonk riffing mixed in with the weird noisy sound. Yep. It reminded me of again kittens, but they had never heard of kittens. You know, like they heard like, of the uh, bands that were influenced by kittens. Probably, yeah, and yeah. Came through that way, or yeah. just came at it from their own, you know, organic way. Right. But it just struck me as that's a really I haven't heard that sound in a long time. And yeah. I like this. Another band previous to that um, was Haunter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I found that when I first listened to that record, Rivers and Rust, it was like, this is like a bunch of all my favorite 90s Winnipeg Just sounds slammed together. Slammed right? together. And yeah. I don't think that was their intention at all, but that was what I heard yeah. first. Was that's, like, that's this cool. sounds a little bit like the Bonaducci's here. This sounds a little bit like, you know, yeah. Painted Thin. Uh, yeah, yeah, maybe yeah. not uh, lyrically, but sound wise. Sound wise, yeah. you yeah, know? Like, yeah, yeah. And of course, Greg McPherson has a big yeah. influence of theirs. And, and, uh, yeah, the, I don't know if any of those bands intentionally did it, but it it reminded me, or that all yeah. sticks into me, is that sounds kind of like a Winnipeg band, yeah. which I like. I can see that. I can see that with that record, yeah. The, the thing, I mean, it's hard to say that there's a Winnipeg sound or mm -hmm. not. This is maybe just my own perception of it, but I, I often feel like Winnipeg bands 
have kind of a hopeless sort of sound to them in the lyrics a lot, but just it's like kind of bleak, mm-hmm. and but in a really like warm way. If that makes yeah, sense. Yeah. Like it's like comfortably bleak. Like uh, I don't know. I mean, especially even something like Propaganda is a perfect example. I mean, their songs are not exactly uplifting, but they are at the same time. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, I mean, like like you said with Dead Ranch. I mean, it's it's kind of harrowing. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it's it's not it's it's really aggressive and Ken Mo too really mm-hmm. kind of puts you on edge and everything. Yeah, and I think even a lot of like country bands and stuff want to have that kind of just it's not darkness, but it's like bleakness i guess maybe mm-hmm. i don't know i associate that with winnipeg like it's kind of i don't know i mean neil young is a good example of that too a lot of songs sound very open mm-hmm. and like kind of like you feel wind going through it <laughs> i don't know i think that's just my perception of mm-hmm. maybe being from winnipeg and associating a certain thing with that but yeah i, I get that vibe yeah, from a lot it's, of uh, i would i would tend to agree with you uh not everything yeah, oh, obviously not, yeah. right? Um, but the stuff that I like the most is kind of like that. Uh, again, going back to like the week, early week of stuff yeah. for the Bonaduce's, you know, yeah. you kind of get that feeling of that shitty drafty house in, yeah. in uh, South Osborne or the West End. Yeah, or renting, or whatever. You know, yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Whether that's, you know, on purpose in the lyrics, but, you know, you get that kind of vibe yeah. as well from it. Um, whether that's, you know, that's a question I would ask folks as well. Like, is that real? Is that just like a put on? Is that just an easy answer because we are literally in the middle of yeah. nowhere. And or is it unique to Winnipeg too? I mean, is someone in like Oshawa or something? Yeah, the same yeah. Thing? yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, it's, it does geography influence the art or, you know, is the art you know, yeah. influenced by the geography? Unanswerable so, questions. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, I, it's, I find it interesting. And then when you do just, you know, think about it, like put yourself on a cold ass on a frozen river yeah. and stare out into the emptiness of space. And yeah. then imagine, that camera zooming out uh, yeah. way up high and you're just there in the middle of absolutely and there's nothing. nowhere yeah. forever. You yeah. know, it's, it gives you that well, perspective of, of, and bleakness, but also like, well, there are people nearby yeah. that as well, you know, my, you know, maybe I can communicate yeah. my sense of isolation and hopelessness. And maybe we can share it together. And we can share yeah. it and have a good time. Yeah. I, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like that, that, that photo of Winnipeg from space in the winter and it just looks horrific. Yeah. <laughs> this is a desolate like nightmare. That is what I I feel like a lot of Winnipeg bands could use that as an album cover. <laughs> yeah. Do you, do you want to go to another song? Another Let's song do song it. Again? Let's do it. I got two here. So I'm just going to pick the one that's on top here. Sure. Uh, this is a tune called Down on Washington by the Turnpike Troubadours. These okay. guys are one of my favorite bands. Uh, Red Dirt country band. Okay. Um, Oklahoma. Cool, cool. Um, the primary lyricist Evan Falkner, I want to put him in exactly the same boat as like, because um, he's a country singer, yep. so he's got that kind of style to a song, but the way he writes about relationships or a situation or a grimy party in some small town in Oklahoma really does remind me of a John K. Sampson okay. kind of style. It's regional, but it makes you feel like, oh, I know what he's talking about, yeah. but he's talking about a specific you know, trailer park outside right. of Oklahoma City or something. Is it because like it's so specific that, that I think it's his just a really good lyricist. Okay. You know, he brings that attention to detail. Yeah, yeah. Um, brings a literary bent, but uh, well, that's something Samson does for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. but in, in this case, it's like your backwoods okay. buddy guy. But this guy, this guy reads books on the side, kind of thing. You <laughs> yeah, know, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. very much small short stories in every cool, every cool. deal. And the reason I pick it because of uh, the sunk theme. Yeah. Is there's a lyric in the tune uh, which features sunk, and I thought about this uh, today at work. It was okay. like, damn, that fucking song's got sunk. Well, that in works, it. right? I mean, there's no, there's like we always yeah. like to say on this, there's no wrong answers because yeah. sometimes people are unsure 
whether they can make a connection yeah, because yeah. it's like oh, I don't know. This is it's kind one of the, the lyrics that sticks out in my head when I think it. it's like, "Man, I'm sunk, red faced and drunk," and it uh, goes on from there. But that's cool. one of the the lyrics that sticks in my head. I was like, "Yes, sunk, awesome, I got it. <laughs> Let's check it out. Let's check it out."
Alright, we're back. That was Turnpike Troubadours. And yeah, basically everything you said to describe it. <laughs> I get it. It's, it's pretty good. Yeah, these guys are fantastic. I uh, can see that being a good live band to see. Like, it seems like it would be pretty high energy. And uh, they're just players. Like, the yeah. fiddle player is fucking fantastic. Yeah. Um, high energy. The Corblon show, if anyone saw them at the Burton County's Theater, that last Corblon tour, they came out and did a Turnpike Troubadours song with Corb in the band okay. for Corb's Encore. And by that point, you could tell they had a couple pops yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, in yeah, the yeah, back yeah. and were, were well that were makes that kind of music better though right I yeah, mean, it yeah. seems like the, the drunker they get the more kind of I don't know you hear sometimes like live recordings of, of, of bands that like country bands in general and like as things progress it seems to get weird yeah. weirder <laughs> but like really good <laughs> I, don't know what, I don't know what it is I mean it's just like I think it's in anything right yeah. I mean, you get you loosen up a bit and mm-hmm. it just something's interesting there's that sweet zone where you're just on fire but where yeah. that is yeah, and once you cross the line, then it's just past it. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. So, okay, what's the actual release date of the book? October twenty fourth. Okay. We will be uh, releasing it at the Canzine Central event. Which so where uh, is that? That will be, I believe, it's at the Millennium Library. Okay, and that's put on by Broken Pencil. They do a couple okay, yeah, of these yeah, yeah. Uh, Canadian Zine independent media kind of deals. Cool. Which um, the publishers connected with them somehow, but it's perfect because that's again going back to the times of the, the book covers yeah. zines were especially in the early 90s a huge way even into the later 90s yeah. and then how you find bands, yeah. yeah and arguably now blogs or zines or whatever but that was the way is people putting down their thoughts and cutting out things or drawing yeah. things and sharing of their local bands sending it to another city that's how you hear about exactly. it exactly sure. the Riel brothers were huge into zine culture and they were in the 90s guys who kind of picked up the slack when Mike Lambert kind of tailed off from, right. from being the guy who was bringing in the punk rock Right. bands in the 80s you know uh, and they did that all through zines through Maximum Rock and Roll yeah. through Flipside through Taking Out um, I kind of like how Maximum Rock and Roll still looks like that like it's, it's still the exact same there's nothing's changed they didn't progress with the times at all yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah that'll be at the Canzine Central event I believe it's at the Millennium Library okay. all day kind of thing uh, they'll have a zine fair in conjunction with the Winnipeg Anarchist Book Fair okay yeah yeah, yeah. Um, I believe I'm doing it's pegged as a reading from independent artists, but mine, like, I've got some prose introductory bits to chapters, okay. but it's an oral history, so I don't know if I'll you maybe, don't want to read the I might read, like, the first introduction, the, the introduction to the first chapter on the 90s is kind of lengthy, okay. just to try to set up the scene. Right, right, right. It brings right. in, uh, lengthy being, like, three pages as opposed to three paragraphs. And then a bunch of... And then, talking, a, yeah, and yeah. then the, the quotes from everyone else yeah. filling in the narrative from there. So I may just read that, and then... Kind of try to talk about the process, or I don't know what. It's exactly Is it like be. a Q and A sort of thing, or are you just? Uh... I'm hoping that it will. If people are there and interested, I'm hoping yeah. I can read a l- very briefly to kind of set up. Hey, this is what the book's about. Talk a little bit about the process, yeah. and then open it up uh, to questions. Cool. Um, we'll be there with books that I think will they'll be hot off the press, literally, because we're coming up to that hot. And yeah, I just, yeah. I just literally sent in on Saturday my final proof. Cool. And final edits. I think I might get one look at the PDF before it goes to the printer. Yeah, yeah. But That's it's, awesome. It's very happening fast, it's very which exciting, is, actually. I guess, the benefit of working in a with one guy in a two-man operation kind of thing. Right, because you're directly talking to each other. and yeah, yeah. It's no like, well, we've got this slated for the fall, so blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah. well, we just want to do this. Let's yeah. take the steps and get it done. Uh, and then later in that evening, don't have any details at this point, but we'll share them as soon as possible. Probably by the time this is out, yeah. you can link to something. Definitely. Uh, but we'll have a party at the Windsor, 
which to me makes the most sense. I mean, it would have been lovely to have it at the Goodwill. There's a lot of connections there. For the Albert, uh, if the Albert was... If, but the thing is, the Towns family owns the Windsor. Right. They used to own the Albert. So there's the connection Sam there. Smith used to book at the Albert. Is, is it the Windsor? The Windsor. Yeah, yeah. I talked to Sam throughout the book. Uh, he's quoted throughout. Well, he was of, around through a lot of that, right? Definitely. Yeah. He hooked me up with uh, Sarah from Raw Sewage and a few other people. Derek Riel uh, okay. was Sam's twisting of the rubber arm that got him to talk. Cool. So hopefully Sam can uh, twist some arms and yeah, make and some magic happen yeah, in the yeah, yeah. Uh, entertainment department. But it'll all be rooted in the 90s. I don't know exactly what it'll look like. I do know that Johnny Sizzle will be either opening the night or emceeing throughout Seems the Seems like evening. a good fit. for. Um, uh, yeah. Did you talk to him for the Yes. The well, I talked to him for a number of articles yeah. unrelated before. And he's just a great interviewee. He's got tons of knowledge and, and memories, and he's a character and a half. Yeah. So I haven't had him on the show yet. I, I've been meaning to reach out to him. He's, because, he's good. I mean, yeah. he, he's been around forever. And he's, he's got a lot of knowledge, yep. and he's, uh, he was there. He had his own show. Yep. Public yeah, Access. It's amazing Public Access gold show. gold when yeah. you look at it. Um, definitely a good guy. So he's involved. Uh, like I said, he'll probably open the show or perhaps act as an MC or something. Cool. We'll, we'll see. But that's October 24th. That's exciting. Are you uh, like one once? I mean, obviously you're selling books there. Hopefully that was that's the mm -hmm. idea. But mm -hmm. once that's done, I mean, how do people get a book? Is is that sorted out yet, or is uh, be... McNally will have them? Okay. And then you can get them online through the publisher. Okay. I'll likely have a small amount of them, but the best bet would be McNally okay. or the publisher Eternal Cavalier. I, I don't know the uh, I don't know they'll the, be they'll uh, be out there though right there's the website there'll be, be a way to find them yeah. yeah Eternal Cavalier Press or Eternal Cavalier just search okay. that those guys come up that's how you'd get the book but if you want to show up on October 24th uh, we'll have the books there and it, uh, I think I know the Windsor will be a party no matter what the yeah, oh, definitely, what yeah. the night looks like yeah. uh, and so that'll be really fun so you get on the ground floor Get in right when the book comes out yeah, yeah and it, literally that'll be the first time I've seen it is probably the night before do you have you seen like the the cover and everything? No, I just sent in the cover. I'm supposed to see this week, I hope, or early next week. And then I'll see the final proof before it goes to the yep. printer with the images added in, posters and some photos. Okay. And then it'll uh, it'll just all happen, I guess. That's very cool. <laughs> awesome. Well, I'm going to play another song with a song yes. theme. Um, this is a song I actually, I remembered vaguely and I was thinking oh, I should probably listen to this again to see if I like it enough to play it on the show. Mm -hmm. And it turned out I do actually like it enough. Um, it's a song by the Abyssinians. I don't know if you're familiar no. with the Abyssinians. They're, I think they're one of the most underrated bands ever. Um, they're a Jamaican vocal trio okay. in the 70s. And they have an album called Sada Masagana, which this is from. And this album has probably... There's at least two songs in here that I put on my all-time best songs by anyone mm, ever list. Okay. Like, it, it's unbelievable. And I, I know the last time you were on the show, we talked about the Leuven Brothers. Yes. And I don't know if we got how much we got into it, I can't remember, but as a non-religious person, I have a deep love for spiritual music. Uh -huh. Like, it, I don't believe it, but I like, I really feel something when I hear other people believing it. Mm -hmm. When you can tell someone believes it extremely strongly, I think that there's some really interesting art that can come out of that. Yeah, yeah. And the Abyssinians believe in Rastafari extremely strongly. I mean, they're... Um, with them in the Congos, I think you would kind of classify as deep roots. Okay. And it's... Most... 90% of the songs are extremely spiritual and it's, uh, you know, amazing harmonies and just very, very... I mean, there's obviously other instruments, but the, the vocal trio is the... Everything's kind of centered around mm -hmm. them. And it's, I mean, half the stuff they're singing, not half the stuff, but frequently they're singing in, like, Ethiopian language and stuff. Like, that's okay. how deep into the Rasta thing they are. And they walk around with, like, turbans and robes yeah, and stuff. Yeah. And, like, they're, they're full, full on, on, right? Yeah. <laughs> and this album, uh, which is unreal, like, it's a phenomenal album, uh, pretty much every song is is 
spiritual music. It's a, it's a gospel record. Yeah. A reggae gospel record. And except for this one song that's on the uh, re- deluxe edition, this is the re-release that came out maybe 10 years ago. Okay. And there's a song called Poor Jason White, and it was something that was cut from the album, but it was, you know, they had the tape or whatever, yeah, yeah. so they added it on there. And it it's a cool song, but it doesn't fit the theme of everything else, which is probably why they cut it. Yeah, yeah. It's about this kid and his dad, who a teenager and his dad, who got caught in a shipwreck. Their mm. ship sunk and he got saved by this German boat that happened to be going by or whatever. And it was this thing directly from the news. And they sing it as if they're reporting... Like, it, all of the details are very specific. Mm. And they're just re- re- telling the story about this kid. And it's really out of place. Like, I mean, musically, it fits with everything else, but lyrically, it's just weird. It's like, yeah. did you pick up a newspaper? You needed to fill, like, <laughs> a couple minutes on the album or something? It's really, really strange. But it's a cool song. And, I mean, this this album is, like, it's phenomenal. It's, I really highly recommend it to everybody. Uh, Sadama Sagana by the Abyssinians. But, yeah, this is the song Poor Jason White. It's just a weird anomaly in the record, but it's about a kid and his dad who get caught in a shipwreck. Hmm. And it's very journalistic, which is a really strange thing for a band like this. But yeah, yeah. It was seventeen days on that water, poor Jason and his father. Blocks went cold on that water. Oh, Jason and his father. That was, yeah, it was poor Jason White by the Abyssinians. And yeah, they basically are retelling the story. They must have just got it from a newspaper. And, and it's, it's a weird, it's a weird subject matter. But uh, I kind of like also chose early, this. early uh, Bob Dylan. Uh, yeah, where it's like a story. Was, yeah, he's just reading the news, basically. And I think that a lot of that stuff did get kind of heard over there, too. Like, And, and it was, so it's interesting mm. to figure out where the influences are from. Because, I mean, reggae is such a specific thing mm-hmm. that it's easy to kind of assume that it's just very, very organic 
to there, but I mean, it, you, you can pick out all the influences yeah, yeah. from everywhere, from like, you know, R&B and jazz and soul and all these things coming all over the place. But uh, part of the other reason I picked this song is because it relates to your book in a way, in that I had heard the Abyssinians over the years. I mean, uh, as people who listen to this show know, I'm obsessed with reggae. I, I listen to a lot of different kinds of music, but this is maybe 80% of it, like, mm. which is a lot. <laughs> and, um, like... I had heard the, the song Sada Masagana, which is like sometimes people refer to it as reggae's national anthem. Like, I mean, okay. it's, it's a really, really iconic song. Uh, the instrumental, the rhythm for it has been used by maybe like a few hundred artists since they've done their own vocal on top of it. It's a very, very distinctive thing, the title track of the record. And a few other songs in here, too, are just like super, super iconic for the genre and just Jamaican music in general. Mm. And there's a book called Solid Foundation, which is an oral history of reggae. Okay. And I hadn't really, I mean, I'd heard the Abyssinians, but I didn't know anything about them because kind of like what you're talking about with the stuff in Winnipeg, no one bothered to write about them. I mean, people write about Bob Marley every week, yeah. you know, and like there's a few other people like, you know, who've got the book treatment or whatever, but there's so many of these bands that did like mm-hmm. just unreal stuff that are kind of floating around. So this book, Solid Foundation, was the first oral history I'd read of that of the of the yeah, genre, yeah. I mean, I, I you know, there's like collections of record reviews, there's people talking about the overarching kind of scene and things like that. But yeah, this was a really really uh, interesting book because these guys at the time the book was written were all you know in their fifties and sixties, some of them even older, and it's just all these old guys kind of reminiscing mm-hmm. on on what the music they did that for a lot of them didn't really do much yeah. in terms of success. I mean, like. I doubt anyone in the Abyssinians is rich right now. And Sada Masagana is like one of the best songs anyone's ever written, ever. And that's like, that is my opinion, but it's also a lot of other people's opinion. We're into this stuff, but like, I mean, I don't even know if I'm making anything off these reissues. Like, Mm -hmm. because the the way that, you know, album rights and stuff happened back back in the 60s and 70s in the third world country, like it's not, you know. (laughs) So I think that oral histories of that nature and of what it sounds like your book is going to be like are, are important because there are backstories to everything. Mm-hmm. and a lot of it just gets passed over and there's one or two people who kind of are the focal point I mean while we were listening to that song we were talking about Neil Young and BTO and the yeah. and stuff having been written about a million times and all the other bands overlooked and a lot of these other bands being as influential but just not as publicly influential yeah that's the thing you know so, like uh, I love Neil Young yeah and, uh, fantastic, I love yeah. these other big name acts that came out the shaken all over generation yeah um, yeah but man, like the influence of, of propaganda of the weaker thans, yeah. uh, even arguably like the Bonaducci's and Kittens, you know, yeah. like they're internationally renowned for what the... In these weird little pockets. In these weird yeah. pockets, yeah. but you know, you a number of guys and, and gals who were interviewed for the book, you know, they've gone, they're older, like, again, you know, they're aging, yeah. they're in their yeah. 40s or even approaching 50 or over at this point. And they've traveled overseas, and they all have a story of going into you know some record shop or some bar, and there's a propaganda sticker on yeah, the wall yeah, in yeah. Greece or Mexico City or something. That's really cool. Propaganda. That's where I'm from. Yeah. You're from Winnipeg. You know propaganda, you know, yeah. or, or the weaker ends or whatever. Yeah. Um, and so they are hugely influential in these weird niche scenes, but they're ours. You know, they're from Winnipeg or Portage or, uh, Brandon. or yeah, yeah, Brandon yeah. exactly. And I mean their music's out there and the story to some extent is but it's to me it's really interesting I'm like well how do you decide to be a band though instead of just you know listening to Venom records in your mom's basement or like yeah and working at a gas station or whatever yeah. exactly <laughs> yeah, or yeah. like for you know John Sampson like why did you decide to to pick up the bass well yeah 
my buddy's already played guitar and I wanted to be in a band so bad, you know, like, yeah, yeah, I yeah. want to hear that kind of stuff. And that's not the thing you hear when someone's writing, like, you know, at the time the Weaker Than broke up, there's all these glowing articles about their impact and everything. Yeah. And no one talks about that element of it. They're talking about, this is why this album was so good. Yeah, blah, yeah. Blah. But yeah, the, the, the history behind all of it, and, and that's and this, kinda... Yeah, the story of how that came together is pretty interesting. We were talking about the launch coming out of, uh, on Canzines, yeah. which is put out by put together by Broken Pencil. Uh, they've, they'll be running the excerpt, uh, the, kind of the Weaker Than's foundation story. Okay, okay. Just happened to work out they were looking for an excerpt from the book, and like then it came out, oh, the Weaker Than's aren't a band anymore. Or so let's capitalize like, let's fucking on give them this story yeah, 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 that no yeah. one has really told yeah. uh, in detail. And it just was, you know, uh, Samson had quit. He had these songs. Jason yeah. Tate uh, had been in Red Fisher for seven years or yeah. something and was kind of burnt out on that scene. Was doing experimental music with uh, with Steve Bates and, okay. and Jake Moore, uh, Jackie Moore. Um, and Samson kind of approached him. They knew each other a little bit. They He'd been living in South Osborne, actually, okay. and Propaganda and the first week of the jam space and Bonaducci's was right on the corner of Morley and Osborne. That's crazy. There that used to be space for all those guys. Like that's there used to be a like my wife uh, grew up in this neighborhood and her older brother would hang out there. Well, and it's pretty like the, the it was a music store on the corner okay. that then rented out jam spaces in the back and in the basement front for drugs probably. You know like <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, how yeah. does a music store survive yeah. in this corner that doesn't seem to have any business just people hanging around jamming all the time. Right right right. But that's where the weekends got together that's at cool. first and it was just to kind of test these songs out. Samson didn't even know if he wanted to be in a band anymore. It was just like, let's yeah, let's try these songs out. Maybe I'll record them. Maybe they just, you know, him, Tate, and uh, John Sutton ended up enjoying yeah. playing so much. They said, well, let's try it out live, and it just they it just went from there. Their first show was at Wellington, okay, but their actual first show, John uh, explained, was in the bar that for a brief time recently was called 555 Osborne. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. There was some other bar at some so point. So very near there, to where their jam space was. Right next door. Huh. The guys heard them jamming and said, oh, why don't you come over? We have a bar. Let's, yeah, we have yeah. a bar. We'll give you a couple pictures of beer. So they went and played a couple of their songs, a bunch of covers, and drank the beer. That's and cool. invited some friends. So their real first show was yeah. right over there on the corner, Morley and Osborne, which I never, you know, like, that's fucking crazy. I walk yeah, by that place that shit, all the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That is, that is really cool, actually, yeah. I think that even even with someone like the Weaker Thems, who were so successful, I mean, at least I think they were. I mean, I, being in Winnipeg, they have this kind of heightened status, mm -hmm. right? Everyone in Winnipeg loves the Weaker Thems. It's yeah, just yeah. this thing that... Uh, so I don't I, I have the impression that they're big elsewhere, and they seem like they were, but, I mean, I, I don't know. Same with Propaganda, too. Mm -hmm. I, I Growing up, I thought Propaganda was... They were on those Fat Records compilations. They yeah. must have been massive, right? Yeah. But, like, I don't really know. <laughs> Even after talking to Chris on the show, I yeah. don't really have a you know perspective of how they were outside. But I think that with the Weaker Thans especially, um, because they seem to have been big enough that they spread out pretty far, mm -hmm. like... I don't know how many people even know that he was in Propaganda, who yeah. are not from here. I mean, obviously a lot of people do, because a lot of people are, are really interested mm -hmm. in the, you know, musicians and what they did before and their catalogs and everything. But I think, especially nowadays, because I hate to do this, but like, you know, sound like an old man, but like people don't look at liner notes. <laughs> there aren't any. Right. There's no, there's no liner notes. People aren't. I mean, and that, that was the primary way to find new music that for everybody. That was a huge way to right? find new music. And that's music. not a thing anymore. And to find out about just the song, like uh, going back to these Turnpike Troubadours guys we just yeah. played their yeah, tune, yeah. they have a new record out and uh, they cover an old 97s tune on it. Okay. But I had to learn that from the internet telling me because I was like, damn, this tune is a stamper. Like, right. this is awesome. 
and then uh, the internet told me that it was not their song. Right. Whereas if I had, you know, because I've got it on my iTunes, I don't have the if LP. If you had the yet. record, it would have been right there, yeah. The record, I would have looked at every song and found right. out who wrote it and whatnot. And, uh, but, yeah. uh, you know, without the internet telling me. Right, you wouldn't have, yeah, you wouldn't have known. And I think that a lot of people, and I, I don't want to shit on young people because, like, you know, <laughs> I do have enough on the show anyway. But, like, it's, it's, just, it's just a different way of doing things. Mm-hmm. And I think that maybe this book will be useful to people who do want to find out that history. I mean, like Red Fisher, we mentioned him a few times. It's a phenomenal band. I have one of their tapes and one of their CDs. Like, I, I have their stuff. It's great. Uh, like it's, but I don't think they're known. Well, no, Red Fisher, and like, I come into this after the fact as well. Like, I never saw them play. No, I didn't either. I only heard the I, legend of them from all my buddies. I bought the tapes. I didn't, but I, yeah, after the fact, yeah. And even, like, uh, I had War Wagon on CD. Yeah, I had that CD too, yeah. And the songs are fantastic. The recording isn't great, yeah. and that's what you hear is like those guys were the band that everyone expected to blow out of Winnipeg. Yeah. You know, like they were buddies and contemporaries with Propaganda. Totally they shared a house on uh, McMillan Avenue. Oh, that's cool. Seven hundred one McMillan, the Red Fisher House, which okay. was home to plenty of uh, touring kind of punk underground bands, the mm. the basement show circuit back in the day. But they toured everywhere, like they played every small town in Canada, developed yeah. an audience. Uh, but just didn't have a website or like a... Because that wasn't a thing. You know, like they just didn't make it because they seemed to kind of just miss the breaks, kind of, you know. The recordings didn't do the the show justice. And now it's like sort of forgotten, you know. Unless you have that Red Fisher sticker, a faded sticker on your skateboard or something like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that was a band that was huge. Isn't that a lyric from a propaganda Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, yeah, it's, it's cool though. It's like I, th- I think that maybe that's maybe one of the benefits of having a book like this is that people who, oh, hope so, who weren't yeah. around or didn't were around and didn't know or whatever are from another city and they they Red Fisher, what's that? And then hopefully some of that's online somewhere. You'd imagine it would. Be. Yeah, I, uh, I know G Seven put out the digital. Oh right, yeah, 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 yeah. So you can at least get that. That they had like Crankbait, I think was one. Catch and release. Catch and release. I have that, that tape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Crankbait is a tune. And then there was one. Before, they have like three three albums essentially. Did, yeah, who knows where? Really can you find yeah, them? You know, yeah. so. I got Catch and Release at the yard sale, about five oh, years ago, crazy. and I was like, "Holy fuck!" <laughs> you know, yeah, like, like I'm running to the thing to buy it. Yeah, like, a dollar, yeah, a dollar, ridiculous. Amazing. Yeah, but that's where you have to find it now, right? So I mean, yeah, and that band seems like when you talk to people of a certain age and up. Oh yeah, they're like, oh, that was their first was show. Crazy. Like yeah. so many guys yeah. and, and gals that I talked to for the book. That was their first show. Well, the, was this, Red Fisher at the West End. Or yeah. Red Fisher at like Wheelie's. Yeah, Wheelie's. Or like, yeah. you know, Red Fisher somewhere. They were huge in Winnipeg. Do they you f- know uh, Union Stockyards? You know those guys? Yeah, one of them is neighbors with uh, my guitar player, my okay. buddy Bones okay. over on Because uh, Tony, their singer, we Dave? had them on. Oh, yeah, Dave's the, the bass player, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, Tony, their singer, has a Red Fisher tattoo. Oh, crazy. Which is like, it's super cool to see that because that's, that's so not awesome. something you, you know. And like, yeah, that that's. A lot of people would probably see that and be like, I don't know what that is. It's like the catch and release like cover, you know? Cool. The fish. And I remember seeing that when we first had them on the show like a couple of years ago. And I was like, holy shit. Red, you know. I'll show you something. All right. All right. I've got a kitten's tattoo. Oh, really? You wouldn't have known it unless you knew the cover, you knew the cover of the, album? Of, uh, the Night Danger album. Oh, that's awesome. With the uh, yeah. the mountain goat. Because yeah, that yeah. was the out, the gateway. So that's most thing. people will see that and not oh, have weird. any clue what it is, right? No, it's weird a kind of goat. animal. <laughs> yeah. Kind of looks like the Manitoba Highway sign. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Right? Yeah. But yeah, I had to do it because that's the gateway to all this stuff was that one EP, their last EP when they were already done as a band. Yeah. But if it hadn't been for that, you wouldn't have gone. Well, I mean, who knows what would happen? Yeah. But that was the that was the portal. 
Cool. <laughs> do you want to pick another song? Let's do it. I've got one other, and I came up with this one towards like an hour or two before you got here. A uh, band called Drive-By Truckers. That yep. uh, I love Turnpike Troubadours. They're probably one of my number ones now. But I mean, other than Propaganda, Drive-By Truckers are my favorite band. I can see that based on hearing your own music. I can see the, the Huge influence. influence. Yeah. Uh, when I came across them, I was I just started playing in a punk rock band of my own. Um, the singer in our band just like, you know, loved Gigi Allen. And Gigi okay. was hilarious and yeah. blah, blah, blah. And they have a tune on, I guess it's their second album, kind of like uh, it's their version of the night hank williams came to town okay that classic okay. Uh, i think porter wagner tune yeah, or whatever yeah. uh the night gg allen came to town so I downloaded heard, I that, that song, on yeah. uh yeah. wasn't napster what was the one after napster uh kazaa or something one of those oh fuck limewire limewire yeah. downloaded it on limewire yeah. and then since then i've just fell in love with this band this is off their record decoration day it's called sink hole
church on Sunday. Damn if I wouldn't go to church on Sunday. Damn if I wouldn't go to church on Sunday. Look the preacher in the eye. back that was drive by truckers and yeah that's that's a cool band maybe a cool sound love them yeah love them i went uh my wife and i went down in may to minneapolis to see them at first avenue they did this is the second time they've done it uh dirt underneath tour an acoustic okay. a full three-hour acoustic show have they ever come up here uh, they were in winnipeg once on canada day in uh i just i don't know who routed them through here on canada it's a bad day. choice i think yeah yeah uh it was at the garrick maybe 2008 or nine okay so another long ago yeah Maybe 2007. Did you did you go? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Fuck yeah. <laughs> uh, I seen them in Vancouver, and Winnipeg, and then in Minneapolis twice now. Wow. Uh, when I saw them in Vancouver the first time, they were on the Decoration Day tour. Okay. Jason Isbell was still in the band as like a 22 year old phenom on guitar yeah, 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 and songwriter. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and you know his record he just put out is fucking fantastic. Yeah, I heard. I heard. I read some reviews of it. Yeah. Something yeah. more than free. Really good. He's uh come into his own for sure but you show on this record is two two or three songs on this record or it's like holy shit this kid is good yeah yeah and, and they're still they're still a thing right they're drive by truckers are still yeah. a thing they're releasing a crazy like their shows are like marathon shows like three hour performance that's good uh, if it's someone who can handle who can do it yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah you gotta yeah, like yeah. it because they got two songwriters in the band yeah and then a kind of uh, an all-star kind of cast backing them up yeah they always have uh i think they've slowed down a little bit now but they used to have like three forties of Jack on stage and be smoking the entire time wow. kind of deal. Wow. Uh, they've definitely slowed down a bit, but they still have a, maybe a bottle of tequila, <laughs> some beers on yeah. stage. Um, they're releasing a boxed L five LP box set, three wow. CD full, like concert at the Fillmore. I think they oh, did that's recently. Cool. Uh, five LPs, just the one show. Yeah. Holy shit. That's ridiculous. It's like all the tunes, all the best, yeah. you know, kind of covering all the bases. And that comes out around Christmas or this cool. fall, so cool. that's the only thing I want for Christmas yeah, yeah. this year. <laughs> yeah, it's on your list, yeah, yeah. Maybe a hockey stick, but yeah, uh, yeah. mostly that. Uh, and then I, you know, I assume that they're kind of plugging away slowly. Cool. But uh, yeah, fantastic band. Definitely my favorite. They get a lot of play on Boots and Saddle, yeah. which I do on. Yeah, we should maybe uh, mention. Yeah, I mean that's uh, we didn't talk about that at all, but uh, you've been doing that for a while now. It's been over a year now. Yeah. Uh, and I enjoy it still. It's fun to try to get guests on every second week to yeah. shoulder the uh, the burden of yeah, yeah. two hours yeah. of programming, but it's fun. It's a it's a it's a way to play country music that you can't find on the dial, but Definitely. there's an audience for it in Winnipeg for sure. Yeah, and CQW. I mean, like you know, our shows broadcast on UMFM yeah. as well. CQW. Both of them are my like favorite radio. Yeah. I mean, you kind of have to know when to tune in sometimes, but that's exactly there's it. There's, there's some really really awesome stuff on on both stations. It's unbelievable. Like fantastic programming yeah. on both ninety five point yeah. nine and one hundred one point five. Yeah. Absolutely. I was just on CQW this afternoon. Yeah, I and, saw that. Uh, I was on UMFM a couple days ago, and back on CQW on Friday. I mean, by the time this comes out, it'll yeah, be yeah. long over. But yeah, I mean, like they're, they're so awesome at promoting local music, especially. I mean, like I mean, you're you having guests on all the time too, right? I mean, it's. It's a, a way to give local musicians just a voice in yeah. general. I mean, and some there's people who I've done some weird shit on those stations that like yeah, you know yeah. like wouldn't have been aired ever. I mean, a couple of Halloweens ago, we had uh, a keyboard and some samples from horror movies and stuff and like some weird vocal effects, and we just played like a half hour song 
<laughs> that was really aggressive and weird and spooky on a Halloween show on CKW in the middle of the afternoon. Yeah. And like that's there's no way that would have I mean it wasn't even a band, we just called it Galactus. It was me and another guy. <laughs> and it was like, you know, that wouldn't happen anywhere. Yeah. But the fact that you can do it there is really cool. So what time is that show on? What's it's on Tuesday, so tomorrow I've got a oh, that's a good uh, prompt <laughs> to get my stuff together. Yeah. It's generally how I roll Tuesdays from eleven AM to one PM okay. CKW ninety five point nine. It's called Boots and Saddle. It's been a long-running show. I took it over from Tim, uh, but a number of people have done it before. Okay, that's why. That's why. I mean, I, I know the name. I've heard, and I've, yeah. I've heard it over the years too. But yeah, yeah. so it's been a. I'm the probably the fourth, third, or okay. fourth host, okay. maybe fifth, even. So it's just one of these things that just keeps switching hosts and keeps yeah. going. Is it? That's awesome. Yeah, and it's everyone puts their little their stamp and their flavor on, but I try to get. You know, a couple classic country yeah. tunes in there, and yeah. even try to throw back to the '30s or '40s cool. for a, a track or two, and a plenty of contemporary, the stuff that uh, this the kind of stuff. Yeah. the drive-by truckers. Yeah, um, yeah. Try to get a, a mix of that. Plus, you know, the latest CanCon and the latest local right. stuff right. as well. That's always good to yeah. Do you have? Uh, is that available in podcast form too? I know a lot of the shows. All on. the stuff is available on CKUW.ca. Uh, there's a section to find all of the shows, and if yeah. you go into the show, you can find the, the archives. Recent, yeah, yeah. And they have a ton of archives. Yeah, you it's can really stream cool. it. You can download it. Uh, there's a lot of options. Cool. It's, it's quite extensive. So, yeah, you can definitely check out old shows there. Awesome. And we're, uh, you know, just to remind people, what's the, the date and location of the book launch? October 24th. Uh, Missing Like Teeth is the name of the book. It will come out the good lord's willing and the uh, <laughs> creek to rise on the printing press and the guy can get here from uh if josh can get here from toronto we'll have copies of the book at the canzine central event which awesome. broken pencils putting on i believe it's at the millennium library but okay. search canzine central broken pencil and we'll, we'll put a link to it on the, on the page yeah. too so people can check that out uh so that i believe is at the millennium library during the day and then we'll be throwing a party with some acts that uh, are connected to the artist's profile cool. book at the Windsor, which is also, again, a direct connection to the town's family. Right, and, and then the Albert, Albert and, and everything. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that'll be October 24th, Saturday. Should be fun. Do you have, uh, you have, you have your own website too, right? I mean, can people find you online? What's the best way to do that? SheldonBurney.com. You can find me on Twitter, BadGuyBurney. Okay. Instagram, BadGuyBurney. All right. Uh, but SheldonBurney.com. I try to post like recent articles and stuff up there. Right. And are you still, I mean, I know you have a day job, but are you still doing a lot of freelance stuff as well? I wouldn't well? say a lot, but uh, uh, here and there. Okay. Um, the book has definitely taken up the bulk of my time this summer anyway. Fair enough. Plus yeah. uh, social engagements and yeah. uh, trying to get a bit of vitamin D. And just work. <laughs> and, yeah. 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 Um, but now that the book is done and wrapped, there should be a few excerpts coming out. Cool. Uh, Broken Pencil is going to run one. I think Noisy is going to run one digitally. That would be a good fit, just because yeah, those other articles it's came because out. of uh, the editor there, Slava Pastic, who encouraged me to get going on this project. Okay. Essentially, okay. at the beginning, uh, we felt that made sense, but I, I have to confirm that yet. It'd be nice. I'd like to get back writing for uh, for some broader platforms, but yeah, uh, yeah. time will tell. Cool. Well, you might be pigeonholed now as the guy to do these oral histories. <laughs> That could be. Yeah. Which might not be a bad thing. That's ah, not the worst. That's yeah. for sure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So if people want to hear more episodes of this podcast, you go to witchpolice.com, click on podcasts, and all of the 148 previous episodes and this one will be there for free download and streaming. Uh, we're also on Monday nights at 11 o'clock p.m. on UMFM 101.5. And those are older episodes from maybe... 
three or four months ago, mm-hmm. so it kind of gives them a second chance. And uh, if people didn't hear them the first time around, you get a second opportunity to hear them. And we're part of the Garbage Hill Podcast Network, which is something we really encourage people to check out. Yeah, it's yeah. at uh, garbagehillnetwork.com. And it's basically a really loose collective of people doing this mm-hmm. on different topics. And the hope is that if someone hears this show, likes it, and goes to the website, they'll see there's about 10 shows on there now. Yeah, yeah. And they'll, maybe they're interested in comic books or hockey or whatever else the, the shows are about. And then we share fans. Because it's all yeah. DIY, very much like some of the stuff I'm sure you talk about in your book. Totally, yeah. And it's just the idea is just to get people listening to all of the shows. I mean... Personally, I'm not even interested in all the topics on the shows. I mean, yeah. but I hope that all the shows get listeners. I mean, it's just, you know, a weird little community yeah. of people doing this. And even since this show has existed, you know, we started this in late 2012. And there wasn't really anyone else that we knew too much about doing the same kind of thing. And now there's tons of them. They're popping yeah, yeah. up left and right. So it's, it's cool. I mean, I think it's definitely something people should support. And yeah, so garbageshownetwork.com. Check it out. Witchpolice.com. And by the time this comes out our, our live show will have already happened mm-hmm. at the uh, handsome daughter so hopefully people came out to that and hopefully we'll be able to do a new one at some point in the future that's cool that's, idea. that's the plan yeah. yeah i mean it hasn't happened yet when we're doing this now so we're kind of uh, looking forward to it but by the time you've heard this you're hopefully there and hopefully it went off without a hitch <laughs> but uh, we do have one more song to play and i i was kind of thinking what should i pick and there's one song that seems like the really obvious choice for this, as much as the Lightfoot one was, and that's uh, Nautical Disaster. Oh, I didn't even think of that. And it was, it, I just like... You talked about the hip early. I know, I know, and I was like, Jesus. I wasn't even sure if I was going to play it, because it seemed like such a clear no, choice. clear, but, let's get that in there. Like, I, I like the Tragically Hip a lot, I mean, they're one of those bands that you hear so much, it just permeates everything in Canada, mm-hmm. to the point where sometimes you can get annoyed by them, but they do have really good songs, and this one in particular, I've always been a fan of, because it has no chorus, yeah. it's just a bunch of verses. And it was a hit, yeah. which is weird. I mean, the only other song I could think of that was like that was Wu-Tang Clan's Triumph, right? <laughs> the only song is just eight verses, no chorus. And like, it's a weird thing because it's practically hip. You know, they're on the radio 24-7 somewhere in Canada yeah. at all times. And all those songs have catchy hooks. This has no hook. It's just mm-hmm. this weird meditation on like a shipwreck. Yeah. And it's dark and it doesn't kind of meanders around. Like it doesn't, it, yeah. It's a weird song, but I really like it. Yeah, and I can't uh, I, that never even crossed my mind. It's the most obvious shipwreck song, <laughs> so that you know something sunk there. So yeah, yeah. Let's uh, go out on that, and uh, I'll see you next week. Of the coast of France 